This evening's scripture will be taken from Psalms chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. Psalms 18, 1 through 3. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, and who I who in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. We are glad that you're here tonight. We're always thankful for those who are present on Sunday night. We are grateful for the number of visitors that come our way each and every Sunday evening, and it may be that you're here tonight and you're looking for a church home, and we invite you to consider the work here at Olive Branch. I really believe that Olive Branch is a great church. And what makes this church great is her people. We have a lot of things to offer. And you can just look at all of the young people here. And we have a mixed age group, young and old. And we even have middle-aged. And so whatever age class you are in, I promise you there'll be somebody that you can identify with. We are glad for this opportunity to study to reflect upon what God has to say to us in his word. I want us to look tonight at Psalm 18, and we want to think for a minute or two about the theme, leaning or learning to lean on the Lord. I would imagine that all of us have our heroes in the Bible. There are some great men and women that we read about in the scriptures, in both the Old and New Testaments. It seems to me that there are some people that you can just identify with. You understand their their struggles, their heartaches, their frustrations. And then, on the other hand, sometimes you can appreciate their joys, their happiness, their successes in life. One of the people that I have come to appreciate is David. David, of course, was a man after God's own heart. David was not a perfect person, but there were a lot of good traits that are set forth in the scriptures about the man David. One of the things that strikes me about David is that in his life, he learned to trust in Almighty God. Sometimes I think it's helpful for us to look at the lives of other people. And as we look at their struggles, their heartaches, their joys, there's some great lessons for us. In Psalm 18, we have an account of David having been delivered from the hand of his enemies and also from the hand of Saul. As you well know, David succeeded Saul, the first king over the United Kingdom. David had his struggles in life and yet David maintained his trust and allegiance in Almighty God. I want to begin tonight by talking about his devotion to the Lord. I want to suggest to you that David loved the Lord. And as we think about his great love, his dependence on the Lord, I want to to begin by submitting to you that I believe David's love for the Lord was personal. When we talk about the love of Almighty God, 
It needs to be a personal thing. If we're going to be what we could be and what we ought to be in the eyes of God, we have to develop a personal relationship with the Lord. When we talk about the love and the mercy and the grace of Almighty God, that has to be very personal to us. I think about the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20. When he spoke of the love of Jesus, he said, He loved me and gave himself for me. No wonder the Apostle Paul was willing to use his life in service to the Lord because he understood the tremendous love and sacrifice that had been made for him. As we think about the love that David had for Almighty God, I want to call attention to what is said in Psalm 18.1. David said, I will love you, O Lord. That word love, as used by David, means to love deeply. How deep is your love for the Lord? When you begin to read and survey the writings of David, it's apparent David had tremendous love for God. And his love was demonstrated in his actions, in his activities, in life. There are two things I want to share with you. Number one, God is worthy of our love. You see, the Bible says God is a being of love. In 1 John 4, verse 8, the Bible says God is love. Jeremiah in chapter 31, 3 would say, on behalf of God, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Think of the tremendous love that God has shown us as members of the human family. In light of God's great love for us, is it not the case that he's worthy of our love? Should we not love him who first loved us? I think the answer is a resounding yes. God is not only worthy of our love, but I believe that God wants our love. God wants you to love him. As a matter of fact, God wants the human family as a whole to love him. John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. How much do you love the Lord? Did you know that God is worthy of your love? As a parent, we want our children to love us, don't we? I understand that sometimes there are strained relationships that exist between parents and children. It's not normal, nor is it natural, for parents to not love their children and vice versa. The Bible talks about in 1 Timothy, or rather in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible talks about those who are without natural affection. That has to do with the love that should exist in the context of the human family, family relations. But you see, Almighty God wants us to love him. And we have the opportunity to demonstrate that love to him. Now David said in the long ago, I will love you, O Lord. I might point out that we demonstrate our love to God by honoring his word. John said this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous or burdensome in 1 John 5 verse 3. Jesus would say in John 14 verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. I want you to look in the second place at David's dependence on the Lord. 
As we think about his dependence, I want to, I want to emphasize the fact that David leaned on the Lord. There are times in life when we need someone to lean on. And there are times in life when no doubt we have been besieged by a number of difficulties and trials and tribulations in life and there have been those to whom we have turned for counsel, support, encouragement. Let me tell you about somebody who will never let you down. That's Almighty God. We need to learn to lean on the Lord. Let me begin by saying that first of all, David placed his trust in the Lord. Note, if you would, what he says in the middle part of verse 2. He said, My God, my strength in whom I will trust. The word for God, as used by David here, denotes the mighty God, the strong God. It's interesting to me that in Isaiah chapter 9 at verse 6, when Isaiah foretells of the coming Messiah, he speaks of Jesus as the mighty God. We are putting our trust in the mighty God, the strong God, the almighty God, the one who has framed the world, who has created us and who sustains us on a regular basis. Solomon said many, many centuries ago, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Learning to trust in God. Trusting God, come what may. Not long ago we talked about the difficulties that Job faced in his life. And to me one of the great passages of scripture found in the book of Job is in chapter 13 verse 15. When Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Do you have that kind of, kind of trust in Almighty God? David has been besieged by a number of problems. He has been hounded by his enemies. His own son, Absalom, turned against him, sought to take the kingdom from him. And then Saul was a thorn in his side. And so David here says in the long ago, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. We talk about the placement of his trust in the Lord, but then there are some provisions of his trust in the Lord. When you look at verses 1 and 2, David describes some of the great blessings that are to be enjoyed in the Lord. We talk about leaning on the Lord, and note if you would, the personal relationship that David has with the Lord. And notice, if you would, how he talks about the Lord is his rock, his fortress, his deliverer, his strength, his shield, etc. That underscores the personal relationship that he enjoyed. Let me begin by calling attention to verse 1 again, where David said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The word strength means a firm, immovable rock. Now we talk about God being a rock, but I want, I want you to look at it from another vantage point. God has an unchanging nature, doesn't he? He's immovable. He never changes. 
Malachi, the great prophet in the long ago, said on behalf of God, I do not change. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, the Bible says on behalf of Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, yea or yes and forever. We are putting our trust in a being that never changes. He's the same today, he'll be the same tomorrow, he'll be the same if the world stands another million years. So you can put your trust in him, you can look to him for strength. He'll always be that stronghold, that immovable rock. And then he said, the Lord is my rock, in verse 2. The word rock here denotes a crag, a cliff. It carries with it the idea of a place of concealment or security. Note, if you would, what is said down in verse 31. David asked the question, for who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? You see, Almighty God has the ability to provide us with security, concealment. One of the songs that came to my mind as I was thinking about this lesson, the lyrics, Hide me, O thou great Jehovah. God has the ability to hide or to conceal me from the difficulties of the trials of the storms of life. And David is saying here that he found security. He found a place of concealment in the Lord. And then he said, not only is the Lord my rock, but he is my fortress. A fortress con conveys the picture of a citadel or a garrison. For those of us that think about this, this figure of speech that's used by David, I'm reminded of the fact that a fortress, a fort, provides what? Protection. Those who are within, within the fort are protected from outside for, forces. And David here is saying that God is a fortress. He is a citadel. A stronghold, if you please. And then we continue on. David said, not only is the Lord my rock, my fortress, but he is my deliverer. When things seem to be the bleakest in life, it's my conviction that God has the ability to provide us with a way of escape. And that's really what David is saying here, that God had the ability to deliver him from his enemies. He did do that. On numerous occasions. We'll look in just a minute at what David says down in verse 46 and following. How God had delivered him from the hands of his enemies. Do you remember the writings of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3? When he talked about the persecutions, afflictions that he had faced at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. He said, what persecutions I endured and out of them all the Lord delivered me. God has the ability to deliver us from the problems that we face in this life, from our enemies. Over in chapter 4, in 2 Timothy, Paul would say, At my first defense, no man stood with me. All men forsook me. He said, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. We talk about learning to lean on the Lord, trusting Him, come what may. Paul learned to trust in God. As a matter of fact, 
Paul would say, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. When, they, when the apostle Paul wrote those words, he was going to be beheaded by the hands of Nero Caesar. The time was about A.D. 68. When he said, the Lord will preserve me, he wasn't talking about his physical life, his physical body, but he was saying that the Lord would preserve his spirit, his soul, that inward part of him for his heavenly kingdom. So God has the ability to deliver. David went on to say that the Lord is my shield and the horn of my salvation. A horn in ancient times was emblematic of power or strength. I think about a ram butting heads with another ram and using that horn, that powerful instrument in times of war, well, or in times of fighting. Well, David here is saying that God has the, the power to shield his people. Do you remember back in Genesis chapter 15, God had called on a man by the name of Abraham and the redemptive plan was resting on the shoulders of Abraham and Sarah because God had said, in you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Abraham and Sarah had difficulty understanding that great promise. They tried to help God out and all they did was created a lot of problems. But nonetheless, that child of promise, Isaac was later born. But in chapter 15, verse one, God said to Abraham in the long ago, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. God was telling Abraham in the long ago, I am your shield. Is it not the case that God today is a shield to those of us who are his people? And then finally, David said, the Lord is my stronghold. The word stronghold is designated a high tower. And, and the picture is that of the people of God being elevated beyond the scope of her enemies. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, said the name of the Lord is a high tower. He said the righteous run to it and are safe. And again, all, all David is saying is, I look to the Lord as my strong tower, my high tower, my stronghold. And in so doing, I was safe. God provides safety for his people. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. It has to do with David's deliverance by the Lord. Now we talked just a minute ago about how David said, the Lord is my deliverer. And the Lord was his deliverer. But in this point, I want you to think about how David looked to the Lord. Because you see, David learned to lean on the Lord. And in looking to the Lord, what did he find? Deliverance. So, I would say that in his distress, mired in these difficulties, he turned to the Lord. Verse six, listen to what he says. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. Now back in verse three, David had said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death encompassed me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. 
The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him even to his ears. First, let me talk about the privilege that David had, and not just David, but all of God's people. The privilege we have of praying to the Lord. Here's what Peter said. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Prayer is a tremendous spiritual blessing that every child of God enjoys. Paul in Ephesians 1.3 talks about how every spiritual blessing is in Christ in the heavenly places. If you're a child of God, you have the privilege of prayer. You have the assurance that you can turn to Almighty God and He will hear your prayers. I want to say to you tonight, I want to say to all of us, that God covets our prayers. Think about that for a minute. God covets our prayers. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 15 at verse 8, the prayer of the upright is his delight. Does God want to hear from me? Absolutely. Does he want to hear from you? You better believe he does. Why is that? Because you are his child. You are a child of the living God. By way of analogy, as a parent, do you want to hear from your children when they grow up, move out, live on their own? You want to hear from them? Sure you do. Why? Because you love them. Because there is a relationship there. There is a, there is a family relationship. And God covets our prayers. How sad that sometimes children of God do not avail themselves of the privilege and the power of prayer. But to know that we can, we can approach the throne of God in prayer at any time, day or night. Not only does God covet our prayers, but I believe he cares about our prayers. How many times in life have you faced some distressing situation and, and you've tried to talk to somebody about your problems? I understand that sometimes we have difficulty communicating to one another. So, sometimes we have difficulty finding the right terminology to identify our feelings, our, our distresses, our troubles, our trials, our heartaches. Sometimes it's difficult for us to, to put into words exactly how we feel. And sometimes when we talk to others and we convey our feelings, we feel inadequate and leave wondering, do they really care? In other words, the, the person that I've shared my feelings with, do they really care? I understand that there are times when we share our problems and trials with our friends and family members. We know they care. But, but sometimes, sometimes in those dark hours of life, we wonder, do people really care? Let me tell you, God cares. He cares about you. He cares about your prayers. When you pray to Almighty God, you are praying to a God that cares about you. He cares about your situation. He cares about where you are in life. We live in a world of some seven billion people. 
I can't grasp the fact that Almighty God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows every one of us. Jesus said the very hairs of our head are numbered. God knows us all. Peter said, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. So when you bow in prayer to Almighty God, you need to understand God cares about your prayers. You are praying to a personal God who is personally involved with you, who cares about your personal problems. Listen again to what David said. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. What does that say to us? The inference is that he can pray to God, he can turn to God, and God will respond, doesn't it? That God cares. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see. We talk about the power of prayer, but what, or rather the privilege of prayer, but what about the power of prayer? How powerful is prayer in the life of a believer? Let me call attention to verse 46 in Psalm 18. Listen, if you would, to what David said. The Lord lives. Note, if you would, in your English Bible, there is an exclamation point. David is saying, the Lord lives. We're not praying to a dead God. We are praying to a God who is alive. We sing the song, our God, he is alive. The Bible speaks of Jesus who ever liveth to make intercession for us. God is a living being. When we approach the throne of God, we are praying to a living God, a being who has always existed, who will always exist, who was, who is, who will always be. Wrap your mind around that thought if you can. He said, the Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God who avenges me and subdues the peoples unto me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. Now listen to what he says. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. Did God care about the plight of David? Let me answer that in one word. Yes, yes, he did. God cared. Today, God cares. David leaned on the Lord. And I think what David would say to us today as we live in 2013, lean on God, trusting. There are some great provisions. When you, when you claim God as the master, the pilot of your life, you can say with David, he's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my strength, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You can say, God, as David said centuries ago, is for me. Now, God hears and helps us in times of distress. And really, that's what David is saying in a nutshell. The power of prayer. Here's what James said. The effective, fervent 
prayer of a righteous man avails much. James 5, 16. All James is saying, and James wrote this 2,000 years ago, James said, prayer works. Prayer works because God works. God in his providence is working on our behalf. God is intimately involved in our lives. If you don't see the hand of God working in your life, then I would encourage you to open your eyes. We talk about prayer and the blessings of prayer and learning to trust God and to lean on him. Do we believe that God do we believe that God is at work in our lives, that God is aiding us and, and standing by us? Yes. How grateful we ought to be. I want to encourage us, learn to lean on the Lord. Lean on God. God is big enough and powerful enough to hold us secure when life is upside down. There are a lot of folks in our world today, they're looking for someone or something to give them stability. That someone or something that they're missing, it's God. There are a lot of people, they don't realize they need God. There is a void or vacuum in the hearts and lives of people in our world today that can only be filled by one person. That's Almighty God. We've got to learn to trust Him and live for Him day in and day out. I want to close by asking this question. Are you leaning on Almighty God? I wish I could tell you that life here on earth is always going to be easy. That you're never going to have any problems. You're never going to have some down times. You're never going to find yourself in distress. But the fact is, if you live long enough, you'll face hard times. And like David, what you have to do is learn to trust in God. David learned that a long time ago. I want to encourage us, trust in God. If you're not a Christian, this very hour, this time is your time. Paul said, today is the day of salvation. Don't leave here tonight without God in your life. Sometimes we're so close but so far away. There are some folks, they are regular in their attendance to worship, to Bible study, but they never obey the gospel. Sometimes I ask, I ask myself, why is that? How could somebody hear over and over again the gospel of Christ, that God sent his son to die for their sins, but never respond? If you're here tonight and you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God, would you be willing to repent to give up a life of sin, to say, I'm out of the sinning business, and confess the name of Christ, would you be willing to stand before this assembly tonight and acknowledge you believe Jesus to be the Son of God? And then 
would you be willing to submit to being immersed in a watery grave of baptism? Jared can baptize you. Brother D.O. can baptize you. Another elder could baptize you. I'm, I'm happy to baptize you. Who does the baptizing is unimportant. What is important is that you don't leave here without being baptized into Christ. You need to be baptized because if you're not baptized into Christ, you don't enjoy forgiveness. You're not a part of the body of Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus is the Savior of that body. So we want to go home tonight with you as a brother or a sister. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, we want to go home tonight knowing that you are back in full fellowship with Almighty God. Would you be willing to repent, to turn away from a life of sin? As, as a family of believers, could we pray with you and for you? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to encourage you tonight, don't leave here this hour without obeying the gospel or coming home if you've left the Lord. Come tonight as we stand and sing.